Praise the Lord. And I get to share with you today about the church that we grew up in. If you want to know where our history began, I get to share that with you today. Well, I'm Randy Briscoe. I pastor our seniors here our, that we call Greater Years. Yeah. We're getting ready to do a missions trip. We're going on a cruise to Alaska next summer. And, and we'll do missions work while we're there, right? But good morning. It's good to have you here. God's done some incredible things here in the past five years. In the past five years, the birth of Greater Life Church happened, and we are worshiping here in Mint Hill in this beautiful campus, and we're just days away from completing a second building behind us that will host our Espanol and Nepali services. We have a growing campus in Locust, a new campus beginning in East Charlotte, two campuses in India. Our attendance has more than tripled with hundreds coming to Christ, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, and stepping into new purpose for their lives by following Christ. And only God knows what's next. Aren't you thrilled to be a part of this movement? This great thing that God's doing, this is the church you're growing up in, your kids are growing up in. What a phenomenal harvest we've experienced in just five years, or has it been just five years? You see, the fruit and the harvest that we're enjoying today is the result of a legacy of ministry that's been passed on to us by faithful followers of Christ. Those who gave their lives to something greater, to God's greater purpose in their lives. So today I want to share with you about the church that we grew up in. Like, like David, the psalmist said in Psalm 78, I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders, so the next generation might know them, even their children not yet born, and, the, and they in turn will teach their children. You see, the harvest that we're enjoying and the greater things that God's doing among us in these days actually began 92 years ago. On Mother's Day 1930, when a rented tent was set up on a pasture in, uh, right off of I-77 and Trade Street, where the first Pentecostal work was established in Charlotte, North Carolina. Dr. Alfred Gar, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street, brought the gospel and the message of Pentecost to Charlotte, and Gar Memorial Church was birthed out of the Pentecostal fires of revival. Within a few months, the congregation had outgrown that tent. And with the winter at the cold weather of winter coming, they needed to find something other, some other facility to meet in. And so there was an old racetrack in Charlotte at that time. It was a wooden racetrack, like many of them were built in those days, used yellow pine, two-by-four yellow pine, to actually make the track. And then they had wood that they built the bleachers with. And so they were tearing that down. And so Dr. Alfred Gar said, 
will we'll buy all those materials and they repurposed, they redeemed and repurposed all that old material from the Charlotte racetrack and built a tabernacle, a wooden tabernacle where the church would worship. And in order to heat during the winter months, they even repurposed old oil, crankcase oil, where gas stations had changed the oil in vehicles. And instead of throwing that oil away, Dr. Gar said, we want that oil. And they burned that oil in 55-gallon drums in order to bring heat into the building. Probably not very safe, but that's the way they did it. <laughs> they continued to redeem and repurpose old things for greater things. The congregation soon outgrew the wooden tabernacle. And, and in that wooden tabernacle, I don't, you, I don't know if you can see it from the picture, but the rafters were full of crutches and wheelchairs and, and, and things that people left there because God healed them and transformed their lives. But they outgrew that wooden tabernacle and, Gar, and, and the Gar family began looking for a new place, where, a more permanent place where they could worship and they could hold all of the people. Well, Dr. Gar felt like God gave him an answer when he walked through the, the Charlotte Auditorium that had just been put on the market. And he walked through that 2,500-seat auditorium, and he believed that God was going to give that building to the church so that it might be used for his glory where they could meet. Well, there was a problem. The city wanted $225,000 for that building. This is 1931 in the throes of the Great Depression. There was no way they had that kind of money. But he kept praying and believing God. Well, eventually they tore the building down. They demolished it. Would have been enough for some of us to give up. Have you ever had that something happen in your life where you prayed, you believed you heard from God, you believed God was going to do something, and, and then it seemed like every, your dream just got shattered and things fell to pieces. But Dr. Gar continued to pray and believe. I, I, I love it. We sang it today. He, they began singing, we need a miracle. And you are the miracle maker, the God with whom nothing is impossible. And so they began to pray. And in fact, in that old, in that old wooden tabernacle, they had a, a little sawdust room where they put a prayer bench, an old prayer bench they had made out of some of that lumber. And at that prayer bench, they began to seek God and ask God to provide for them, to make a way where there seemed to be no way. That prayer bench has been refurbished, and it sits right behind us at the edge of our pond on our property back here, if you've never been there, walk back there because that prayer bench is stained with the tears of saints that pled before God for a miracle and, they, and God brought a miracle. Well, Dr. Gar somehow found the blueprints to that original Charlotte Auditorium. And as, after the building was torn down, he purchased all of the rubble, all of the debris from that building. And then brick by brick, the church family began rebuilding and reconstructing that building to become the Gar Auditorium. It took them two years. It didn't happen overnight. Let me tell you, sometimes when God drops something in your heart, he's beginning a process and you have to trust him through the process. You, 
you may have been praying for that marriage and then your spouse walks out on you and you feel like there's nothing left but rubble. But God's not finished yet. He can still do a miracle. You may have been praying for your family and like, our, like we've heard about our Turkish friend today, that, that you may be beat up against by them and they see, may seem to get even worse and things just seem to, to be destroyed and they seem to be self-destructing, but God isn't finished. He can take the rubble of broken lives and redeem it and repurpose it to do something greater. So two years later, this church this great auditorium was rebuilt and they began worshiping there and the crowds began to grow there and then just a few years later a Jesus save sign was erected on top of that building to proclaim to the world that Jesus indeed saves he takes broken lives the rubble of broken lives redeems them and repurposes them for greater things Seventy years later, when that building was being demolished, we redeemed and repurposed that Jesus Save sign, and it hangs above the entrance to our auditorium in the great room out there. You pass by it every week when you come in here because we still believe Jesus saves. He redeems broken lives. He restores. He rebuilds. He's the God who saves that's our history. That's our legacy, a story of a God who redeems broken lives and repurposes them for greater things. Well, then in 1976, Gar Memorial Church relocated to a 40-acre campus in East Charlotte. And that's where my wife and I had the honor of serving for 30 years. Initially as youth pastor and then administrative pastor, serving alongside Pastor Steve Bird, Andrew's father. And then, then eventually... He passed the mantle of this great legacy on to me, and I served as the lead pastor of the church. And through the years, that church birthed all kinds of great ministries, one of them being our very own Pastor Andrew and Pastor Kelly, who God called into ministry and after serving in children's ministry for years, pioneered and planted a church in Mint Hill called Mint Hill Community Church in 2012. And then in 2017, Gar Church sold their property. And Pastor Andrew, after months, Pastor Andrew and I, after months of prayer and meeting together, believed that God wanted to repurpose our lives to do something even greater than what we had seen and what we had experienced. And so we believe God was calling us to bring the two churches together for greater things. And in 2017, Greater Life Church was born, and the funds from the sale of that property have provided greater things for us. We're worshiping in this facility debt-free, and we have seen God do greater things than we ever could have imagined because He redeems and repurposes for greater things. You see, God's now calling you and me to leave a legacy. A legacy in ministry. 
After we purchased this property, Pastor Andrew and I, I, I know Pastor Andrew did several times, I did several times, I would come up to this property and walk this property and pray over it. Still didn't know what the building was going to look like, what the ministry was going to look like, but I prayed over it and I prayed, God, may the ministry, the story of legacy and ministry that we have from our past that, that resonates and is so precious to us, may you do that here on this property. May you create a ministry and do such an incredible work in the lives of people that this generation in the future will have those warm memories about the great things you did in our past. Will you do something? Will you redeem and repurpose us for greater things? Ephesians 2 says this, God who is so rich in mercy and loved us so much, even though we were dead because of our sins, even though our life was in shambles, even though our lives felt destroyed and a bunch of rubble, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Listen to this. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us. That's my, that's my prayer. God, may the next generation point back to us and say, look at what God did. Look how he redeemed and refurbished lives and did greater things. And I want some of that. I want more of that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He holds the blueprints to our lives. And he takes the broken rubble that we, of our self-destruction because of sin, and he redeemed it, and he wants to repurpose it to do something greater, that you might leave a legacy of ministry. I think of Elisha. When Elijah showed up in his life and through that mantle of legacy, of ministry, onto him. Elisha had a good life. He seemed to be very successful. He, he, he was just part of 12 teams of oxen that were plowing, and, and that meant that they were probably pretty wealthy and things were going pretty well for them. He was a good man. He had a good life. He was comfortable, but God was calling him to something greater. And so when that mantle was thrown on him, he remembered the stories. He remembered the stories of how God had moved in and through Elijah, the incredible miracles that had happened through Elijah. And he said, I want in on that. I want to be part of that legacy. And so he killed the oxen, he burned all the, the plowing equipment, had a barbecue and blessed everyone else with it. Because he was refurbishing his possessions to be used for something greater. And he, he repurposed his life, repurposed his time to follow after God. In Ephesians, we're told to redeem the time for the days are evil. So he was redeeming his life and his time and repurposing it for something greater. And I love what Elisha said. I, I want not only what God did in Elijah, I want a double portion I want something greater. I want something bigger, something more. And God honors that prayer. He honors that request. Jesus left a legacy of ministry for his disciples. He said, follow me. 
I tell you the truth, John 14, 12. This is the scripture that Pastor Andrew and I felt God gave us to start this ministry of Greater Life Church. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these. See, God wants to do something greater in and through your life. Greater than you can even imagine, Scripture says. God redeemed the rubble of our broken lives, and he's repurposed you and me for greater things. But will you allow him to repurpose the possessions he's entrusted to your care to use for his glory, for something greater? Will you allow him to repurpose your time so that you serve and you allow him to use you to do something even greater? Isaiah 58 gives us some details of what that looks like, how we're caring for others and serving and giving our lives away in service, in ministry. And verse 12 says this, as a result, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. You'll see that rubble all around you in your families, and God will use you to rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities and you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls, a restorer of homes. The master rebuilder who redeemed and repurposed our broken lives has called us to be rebuilders of broken lives. That's our legacy in ministry. Pass the mantle on to you, brother. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Do me a favor. Everybody stand up right where you are. We'll wait on the slower ones. Now, turn all the way around, 360. Just do it. Just do it. All the way around. All right. You can sit back down. I just reset your brain. It's a kid's pastor trick. Now I have your full attention. I just need a few hours here to share with you my portion of the sermon. Now, give me a few minutes. First, I need to testify, and I've got to do this. We've got to testify. Uh, you remember me using that trick in kids' church, Kelly? Anyway, uh, so uh, Landon, who uh, many of you know and love, uh, is our associate kids' pastor and uh, serves also and helps him worship around here, media, all that kind of stuff. His wife, Rebecca, has been this incredibly pregnant woman that's been sitting on this area right here and uh, for, for uh, you know, nine plus months. And uh, a week late, but not too late, uh, she has given birth, but here's what you need to know. It wasn't easy. Emergency after emergency, we saw this precious little child go through some truly, truly challenging times over the past few days. Got to ride in a helicopter and um, to another hospital because uh, the doctors wanted to make sure everything was okay. But look what the Lord has done. That baby's healthy, mama's healthy, everybody's happy, and we just need to thank God for a healthy child for Landon and Rebecca. Amen. Continue to keep them in prayer as they navigate uh, becoming new parents and uh, all the blessings that go with that and challenges. Uh, I'd like to go into uh, my sermon today with um, an illustration that was drawn 
Many, many years ago by my wife, she found it. Here's a picture that she drew in a book called My Favorite Things when she was a child. And of course, you see there she's going to church and her favorite day is Sunday because that's the day she went to church. And I have the privilege of having a father that served as a pastor and, and she has the privilege of having a mother at age eight years old walk to that very auditorium that Pastor Randy spoke about and was the first person in her family to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and begin to make a legacy. And now her daughter at probably around the same age is drawing a picture that her favorite day of the week is Sunday because she gets to go to church. And so I want to encourage you in this. You may be sitting here today and say, Pastor, my legacy is my, my dad was an alcoholic and my mother was an addict and, or whatever the case may be. Uh, my grandfather uh, was in prison. Whatever the case may be, whatever the legacy that you walked in here with, I can tell you today that you have an opportunity to fashion the legacy from this point forward. I want to talk to you about legacy in family because sometimes we feel overwhelmed, we feel lost, we feel like we've dropped the ball, we've made the mistakes, we cannot do anything of significance because we've already missed the mark. But can I tell you, there's still grandpas in hospitals getting saved at 101 years old. And stories that are told on this very platform that there was a grandpa that got saved at 101 years old. And there's something that happens when the patriarch of the family acknowledges Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. The rest of the family starts paying attention. So whether you're 101 years old, and if you are, God bless you. Alaska can't get here fast enough. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> how insensitive. Oh, come on. You were thinking it. Anyway. <laughs> The point is this, today can be the day that you begin to build a legacy with God's help. I want you to be able to invest in your children and your children's children. I want you to be able to invest in the ministry here at Greater Life Church in such a way that makes an impact on the next generation. I wear on my finger, of my finger a gold ring that my father gave me in my early 20s when I was in college. It's a ring that his father gave him. It has a cross on it. And it's not an incredibly expensive, fancy type of thing. But when he gave it to me, I had not earned it. I was recently credentialed in ministry, yet I had never served in ministry beyond volunteering and helping out from time to time. But it was a gift in faith that I believe in you, son, and I'm giving you something because I believe that God's gonna do great things in your life. And how many of you guys understand that the cross in its very essence is a sacrifice that was made with an expectation that you and I would someday receive the gift that says God's gonna use us to do great things for the kingdom of the Lord. It's not something that was done and so cheap that it doesn't accomplish anything. When we choose Jesus, we choose to be used of God in legacy and in great and mighty things. So many of us feel like we've wasted our lives, we may have missed the mark. I wanna tell you, it's not too late. This ring that sits beside my bed reminds me that my dad believed in me, but more than that, my heavenly father believes in me. That even when I don't believe in myself, there is one so much greater that says, if you trust me, I'll use you. 
Friends, I want you to know, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, you have the opportunity today to start building a legacy in your family. I encourage you, learn of these stories in the scriptures today as we look at David and Solomon, King David, who had an incredible responsibility being the king of Israel, the king of God's people. First Kings chapter two, verse two through four says this. These are the final instructions that he gave his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees and commands and regulations and the laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all of their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. The legacy that David hoped for his son is that he would continue to live for the Lord. He would continue to acknowledge God above all else in his life. This is coming from a man who had made many mistakes. But I can tell you that by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you too can also experience a legacy that lasts beyond mistakes. David was very good at one thing, messing up. Anybody else? When he made mistakes, man, he made them big. There was something in, uh, in the passage of 1 Samuel 13 where God had declared over David, who was the second king of Israel, God was by the prophet speaking to King Saul. And he said this, your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So we see before even David was king, God was saying, you have my heart. You are uniquely anointed after me. And then we see that man David walk out of his palace one night and look on the rooftop of a neighboring home and see Bathsheba As she was on the rooftop bathing, he looked upon her with lust and he began to plan his sin. It wasn't a mistake that he just, he didn't slip on a banana peel. Oh my goodness, I made a mistake. He calculated, he had his people go and get her and bring her into his chambers. He had her with him and she got pregnant, Uh uh-oh. Now, what is he going to do? Well, he began to try to cover up the mistake. Wait a minute, I thought this was a man after God's own heart. That's what the scripture says. And to cover up the mistake, he brought one of his military generals, his military officers off of the battlefield to try to trick him to sleep with his own wife to cover up his mistake. Well, that didn't work because his officer turned out to be a man of more integrity than the king and said, I will not do this. I need to be in battle with my soldiers. 
And when it didn't work, David sent him back to battle and actually orchestrated in such a way where he murdered this man. So we see David who made mistake after mistake and covered up his mistakes. Yet God spoke in the beginning before David was even king that he is a man after my heart and that there was legacy within David. The prophet called David on it. A man named Nathan come to him and told him this story that proved this point about his sin. When David realized it, the scripture says, 2 Samuel 12, 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. However, guys, if you go on into the story, there were great consequences to his sin. A lot of pain and a lot of suffering for a lot of people that followed his mistakes and his sin. Yet God still believed that there was legacy that would come from King David. In 2 Samuel, we see David counting his people. Why is that a problem? It really wasn't, he just wasn't supposed to. And there became pride in his heart and he counted his people. And when he counted his people, he knew he had messed up. And in 2 Samuel 24, the scripture says that David's conscience began to bother him. He said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. Later on in that passage, David built an altar to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and for his people. Friends, David made mistakes. Yet the words of God and the call of God was never revoked. You see, even in the middle of his mistakes, his heart was still after God. You see, aren't we quick to throw people away sometimes? But we need to be reminded that God said, this is a man after my own heart. I have called him. I have appointed him. David made mistakes, but who hasn't? And now we find David speaking to Solomon, keep the decrees of the Lord. Keep the laws of the Lord. Be a man and follow God. You see, there's hope that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you may have made, no matter how grotesque or how foolish, there can be legacy beyond the mistakes. What made David a man of legacy is he ran to God. He ran to God. You see, we find David in the middle of his pain and suffering and sin, fasting and praying, not running from the God who loved him. Secondly, we find in this story of David and Solomon, we begin to see Solomon rise up as a great and mighty king. And in 1 Kings chapter 10, we see a lady, a queen from a place called Sheba, which is modern-day Ethiopia, visited Solomon, and as she came, she looked around and saw the beauty of his kingdom and his palace and his servants. It's all right there. I don't have time to read it. But she was so impressed with Solomon, which made her impressed with the God of Solomon. I, I want to challenge you with this. If someone knew that you were a Christian, would they want to know Jesus too or no? Would your testimony in your life be a witness that would draw people to the Lord or drive them away from the Lord? 
So the queen of Sheba, I have, to, I have to draw this line because if I don't, I'll feel terrible. I have to draw this connection because this is legacy if there ever was legacy. David to his son Solomon. Solomon who impacted the queen of Sheba, the queen of Sheba that went back to Ethiopia. Now, I grew up in the 80s, in the 90s. And I remember about Ethiopia there being famine. That's the first thing that pops in my mind. Anybody else? That's the first thing that pops in my mind is, is send money to Ethiopia. You know, there's famine and all that. And that happened in the 80s. But did you know that Ethiopia is the only African nation that was never colonized? There was a monarchy in Ethiopia that lasted longer than any other monarchy in the world. That's traced all the way back to the Queen of Sheba. There's a population of Jews in Ethiopia that still worship the God of the Bible today. Not only that, but here's the line. Are you ready for it? Queen of Sheba visited Solomon. King David invested in his son Solomon. And then, thousands of years later, there's an Ethiopian eunuch, a servant of the king, who came and visited Jerusalem to worship. Why? Because the Queen of Sheba established the worship of the one true God in Ethiopia. So he shows up. And Philip, the evangelist in the book of Acts, leads him to Christ Jesus with the full message of the gospel, baptizes him in water. Then the Ethiopian eunuch goes back to Ethiopia. And did you know one of the strongest, largest populations of Christians in all of the world is in Ethiopia? The concentration is massive. It is one of the hallmarks of the Christian church. David, Legacy beyond his mistakes. Solomon, legacy beyond generations. You see, we need to be encouraged that if we just start doing the right thing now, should the Lord tarry, should we have more time upon this earth, we could see a legacy. Your children could testify about the church they grew up in. Finally, legacy that lasts beyond this life, which is more important than any of the others. You can re work really hard to do some great things upon this earth. If you really put your mind to it and you really put your efforts behind it, you can probably make a lot of money. You could probably create a lot of positive things. But at the end of the day, what will last and what won't? Legacy that lasts beyond the generations is all the way back to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. The scripture says, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, talking to David, a dynasty of kings for when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. That's talking about Solomon and then it starts talking about someone else. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. In Luke chapter 1, 32 and 34, this prophecy has been, is being reminded about who's, who this scripture is really being talked about. The Bible says he will be very great and called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Who is that? Jesus born in the line of David. That's a legacy that lasts beyond this life. I love our story here at Greater Life. 
It's not a thing of pride. It's more a thing of awe. That we have a 90-year-old altar next to the pond. That we have a 70-year-old sign hanging over the barn door. Secured. Everything's done under code. But I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this scripture that talks about building materials. Verse 11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Christ Jesus. Verse 12, Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. Verse 16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. Friends, today you have an opportunity. If you have a relationship with Jesus, then build something that lasts. Do something, pray something, work for something that lasts. That nice car, that nice house, it doesn't last. It, it, it won't last. Yet legacy is something that goes beyond your mistakes, something that goes beyond generations, and something that can be carried forth in eternity. It's my hope and prayer that we could step back from our lives, as Jesus said it, and stop building bigger barns to put our stuff in, and start concentrating on what matters in eternity. Some of you guys have been building with hay and stubble for far too long. You don't even know what precious things look like. But I'm telling you, the scriptures lays out the most important thing is not even are you using gold or silver or jewels or wood or hay. It's all about the foundation upon which it's built. And I'm telling you, if you're building a foundation on you, it's going to fall. If you're building upon a foundation on Grandma Smith, it's going to fall. There is only one foundation, and his name is Jesus. Something that blesses me so much is knowing that even though I've made mistakes, even though sometimes I mess up, I'm so thankful to God that my children are walking with Jesus. I thank God every day. That's what matters. Pastor, my kids aren't. Well, guess what? You start walking the right way today and watch God change their heart. How in the world could anyone want to follow after Jesus if they don't see an example of what following after Jesus looks like? You and I have the opportunity to put down the bottle and the addictions and to begin to do things that last and begin to invest in our children and our generations that follow behind us in such a way that we're intentional because eternity is at stake.
How heartbreaking will it be if we look around and don't see the ones that we live life with on this side? I want to be spent, completely spent, knowing that I've done everything that I could do for the sake of legacy. Not for my name, but for his. I don't even care if my name's in it anywhere. It'd be nice, but I don't even care if my name's in it anywhere. It's about Jesus. And can I tell you, Andrew, without Jesus, you don't want to know him. He's honoring. He's not even that funny. I believe part of my anointing is Jesus. You know, the, he helps me humor. Amen? Thank you for that affirmation. <laughs> that was a guilt laugh, and I know it, but that's okay. I, I, I just want greater life, should the Lord tarry 90 years from now. I want some old, precious, white-bearded man Maybe not 90 years from now. <laughs> but wouldn't it be precious? Wouldn't it be amazing if not just the next generation, but three or four generations down the line that there's a testimony of God's goodness that God did at Greater Life Church in 2022? Amen? He can do it. He wants to use us to do it. My question to you is, do you want to be a part of greater things for the sake of legacy? For the sake of God's name, would you bow your heads with me? If you're in here today and you feel like, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if I could be used in that way. One of the greatest stories about the bricks that were used to build the auditorium is they had to go through this extensive process of the chipping away of all the old mortar and old, uh, old mortar and concrete the cleaning of every brick, brick by brick, done by volunteers of that precious church to make it ready to build something new, something greater. That each brick had to be redeemed, repurposed, and refurbished. And the question today is, are you willing and ready to allow God to do what only God can do? To chip away the hard things. To give you a brand new canvas so that you could be used to build something greater for his sake, for your family's sake, for the legacy, for eternity. If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me when you pray. I feel there are things that need to be chipped away. I feel that there are things in my heart and my life that I need God to remove by his power so I can be used for greater things, so I can begin to build what God's called me to build. If that's you, then just slip that hand up right where you are. And I want to pray for you today. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Yes. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yep. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Yep. Anybody else? I see that hand in the back. I see that hand up here in the front. Yep. That. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Could everybody just stand, please? A lot of hands, but I think today what we're, what we're asking is a cleansing. 
a reset towards holiness. And so that's what I'm going to pray. Church family, I want you to pray with me. If you're new here today, then today is the day of salvation. When we're done praying, I want to invite you to come and pray with our prayer team so they can put some materials in your hands and invest in you. Would you bow your heads with me? And church family, let's just pray together. Dear Jesus, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that you can use me in great ways. And I ask you right now, purify, redeem, refurbish, and repurpose my life. Clean off all the things that don't belong. May I be free from anything that keeps me from building a legacy for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you would like to pray to receive Christ for the first time today or rededicate your life to the Lord, our prayer team's gonna be up here. Everybody else, God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you soon. God bless you.